This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. That warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here. Actually, Coach Hogg, really, right now in Coach Hogg's locker room. And we're going to talk a little bit about the sports world. We always do it on Monday. And uh, I'd like to start off with, uh, you know, a pleasant bit of news if you're a lady basketball fan, as I've become, largely because of Kelly Ray Finley, who is our now permanent coach of the Lady Gator basketball team. But we're here in the Warthog Man Cave uh, in the Melon Law Studio. And uh, it's some um, piney woods of North Central Florida, which is God's country, I can tell you. A little bit about that in a minute, why I'm more convinced it is than ever before uh, in terms of geography, not necessarily in terms of its politics. But um, the uh, if you got involved at all with Lady Gator basketball this year, you knew that we really had a turnaround in the season and um, managed to make a 20 game season and and get past the first round of the uh, SEC tournament. And uh, of course, the big favorite of all is South Carolina, rightfully so. Uh, first in the nation, really, over the years, it's accrued quite a bit of talent and got a, quite a record and uh, taken on the big guns like Connecticut and those places. So uh, successfully got a six foot five, extremely talented, dominant center for uh, them. Yes, I said six foot five for a female um, and a very effective player. <clears throat> and I'll be darned if Kentucky, who wasn't down double digits right up to the late part of the game, didn't turn around and defeat uh, uh, South Carolina for the uh, SEC Lady Basketball Championship. And uh, I got to remind you how close we are to that world. Now, we had a couple of players uh, injured uh, when we went to the SEC tournament. Our guard was injured. Um, uh, and we had one of the, the big post people injured. But we had beaten Kentucky uh, Thursday, January the 20th in Kentucky, 77 to 52. So now Kentucky is the SEC champion uh, of the tournament, and they beat South Carolina uh, just by, you know, one last-ditch uh, three-point effort, which uh, pushed them over the top, 64, 62, something like that is, is what I remember. Um, it was quite thrilling to watch. Um, I actually uh, uh, had to tape it because I went over to see the uh, Lady Gator softball team uh, actually uh, have the mercy rule invoked in the first game I watched where they won 17 to one. So um, if you like another more economical and available venue, perhaps maybe you want to start watching some of the lady Gator athletics. It's uh, really quite interesting. They're very, very talented, very athletic, and um, I've enjoyed doing so. So anyway, um, uh, the big story uh, in sports is is, it, is really, I, I read it described as um, billionaires versus millionaires. And what we're referring to is um, uh, Major League Baseball, which is, I stopped watching baseball a long time ago. I call it bore ball. Um, even though I was a baseball pitcher in high school, um, I prefer right now to watch softball over baseball. Even here, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. He's a big baseball fan, but um, the game is uh, more intense in softball. The uh, the, the mound is closer, there's a lot more strategy, a lot of bunting involved. Um, you can see the thinking going on out there. And boar ball, you know, just is that to me, boar ball. And now we've got the spoiled brats. I, I really have a little trouble reporting this, uh, but um, there's a guy named Max Scherzer, I think you say his name. He's the highest paid player in the sport, and he is leading the Major League Baseball Players Union, complaining that uh, they don't have enough money. And uh, this guy makes $240 million. He's earned already $240 million during his professional career. And he recently signed a three-year contract with the New York Mets. It'll pay him annual salary of $43.3 million, which is an all-time record. And he's over here complaining about working conditions. Um, 
by the time this deal runs out for him, he will have made over $350 million simply for his ability to throw a ball 60 feet, six inches. Uh, so, uh, um, you know, you come on, come on, you know, but this is our culture. Um, uh, you know, this is the deal. I, you know, for me, I stopped watching baseball. When we broke up the Dodgers and moved them because uh, I'm a big Pee Wee Reese fan and Roy Campanella and, and uh, all these people, Duke Snyder, uh, names that come to mind. I'm serving off of memory now. Uh, but when we rolled this team out and broke up the neighborhood, um, put it out in California on the West Coast, uh, that was, yeah, I wasn't too much interested anymore. And, um, you know, I've always thought maybe California might break off and an earthquake and float out to sea like, like uh, Hawaii is. But anyway, that broke it up. It fractured it. It showed that at that point, the teams were no longer loyal to their fans. They were loyal to the dollar. And now uh, I'm going to run a show one of these days on uh, name, image, and likeness, which is uh, really a ruined uh, the amateur status of, of athletics in this country all the way down into high school. i uh, got a couple of people in mind who can talk about this uh, very intelligently, and you'll be shocked at what we've turned amateur athletics into. It's going to be a bidding war. The Gators that you see on the, on, in the fall on the Florida football field will be the result of a bidding war, basically, uh, and whichever pocket is deep, most deeply lined and can offer the kid most in name, image, and likeness, um, you'll find signing up with those teams. And then, of course, you have the transfer portal, which enables them, at least as I understand it, if they don't get enough uh, compensation for name, image, and likeness, they'll be able to enter the transfer portal and go to the highest bidder there. So it's really taken away all the amateur status, all this student hyphen athlete stuff. Forget that. That doesn't exist. That's just crap propaganda that the athletic directors put out. It's not so at all. If you were an athlete, you wouldn't be coming here uh, to the school without, to the highest bidder where you could make the most return financially because you wanted to go to the library. Um, you know, that might be in your hip pocket later down the line but it's not your first motive for coming. So we've got this deal now where um, the union and the team leaders in baseball, they've been gathering now for about an over a week, nine days or so. And um, uh, this guy Scherzer is the guy who uh, is uh, making, uh, oh, yeah, I don't know how to, uh, over a quarter of a billion dollars uh, representing uh, these, uh, uh, these players. And he keeps saying it's for the guys who are yet to come. Um, they're not going to be able to, make the money on. But I'm a, great, I'm a great guy. I'm on a moral pedestal here. Um, this is not about me personally. Uh, this is about me taking care of the players that are going to be coming along behind us to make sure they're not taken advantage of, if you will, by the owners. Um, he says he wants to stand and fight for the young players um, and therefore make the game better for them. Uh, I'm really kind of at a, at a loss, a disconnect, to know how that makes the, the game better for us, uh, the fans. Um, I, I don't I don't quite get it. I know that here, even locally, I've heard baseball aficionados tell me that the ticket prices have gone up at, uh, to watch the Florida Gators. Um, you know, we got a big stadium out there we got to pay for, that sort of thing. So um, not being a ball fan, uh, although I suppose I'll go if, uh, <clears throat> if the seat's perfect. I'm not going to go if I got to sit somewhere where I can get beaned, you know, by a fireball or my car gets dented. Uh, but, I mean, if I can get somewhere uh, fitting to a man of my caliber, then I will go. But I don't I don't I don't want to I don't want to attend just to bake in the sun. Uh, so it's it's even though the stadium is to has got its back to the West. Um, the, the so this is what's going on. This guy was drafted from the, the drafted Arizona Diamondbacks, drafted him in 11th overall in 2006 out of the University of Missouri and offered him a, this word started, offered him half of what he thought. So he went out and pitched for an independent uh, a league and to gain leverage. And a year later, um, before the Diamondbacks would have lost their rights to him, they offered him $4.3 million to, uh, uh, guaranteed and $6 million with incentives. So he saw this as the really the way to conduct business with the owners. Now, I got to say there has to be some truth to the union. The owners, I think, uh, are selfish, basically. Uh, they, if they can enslave you, they will. I mean, they're capitalists. I mean, they didn't get to be owners by, you know, giving away their wealth. So um, there's there's a little bit of truth to the union side, I'm sure. But, you know, what? where is the proper restraint? Where's proper balance? Where are the proper limits? 
of course, we've yet to realize them. In fact, as I'm saying now, it's not just affected ball, but it's affected the, the high school players with the uh, what's called NIL, which is name, image, and likeness, which is going to be a bargaining agreement they're going to be able to make with people behind the scenes uh, who want to pay for them to come to the high school, to make the high school grade or get it over into the, certainly the college world. Um, so uh, his position is uh, 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 also wound up, and this is something called the luxury tax, which penalizes teams for surpassing certain payroll thresholds. And um, that thing is in the, in the discussion. It's, uh, it's a high room stake conversation. And um, um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of manipulation of the decimal point involved in all this stuff. Meanwhile, this guy's making more money than everybody's ever made, in, I guess, in baseball before. And he's up in his 30s. So, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you about that, that, that game. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't even want to tell you about the college game anymore. I mean, it's not the college game anymore. I've got people who've just told me flat out they won't ever buy season tickets to the Gators anymore, uh, football, uh, especially because it's going to be obviously a bidding war. Um, so uh, there's some big name stars. Mets shortstop has got 341 million. Uh, the Yankees have an ace. It's 324 million. Uh, the Texas Rangers have an infielder at 175 million. Uh, this is um, this is hard for the public to take. Uh, you go in a hot dog and a coke costs you five ten dollars, and uh, you know. But they say they're trying to stand up to the younger guys, uh, and I don't even know who the younger guys are yet. Um, and you know, it, it, so so there you are. It's um, it's um, you know, it's um, it, this guy's a proven record. He won three side young awards uh, more than any other pitcher besides Clemens and Randy Johnson, Carlton, and Matt, Maddox. So. Um, you know, there you are. I don't know what to tell you about the pro league uh, other than the fact that it has absolutely contaminated um, that whole business of uh, sell your athletic prowess to the highest bidder. Um, it, it's probably okay. You can get away with it in the pros. That's what the pros are all about. But trust me, now it's infiltrated, uh, not just college, but it's infiltrated uh, uh, high school as well. I'm going to try to do a show on that sometime soon with some people who are really involved in it on a day-to-day -day basis and who are very frustrated. It seems to be entirely out of our hands as, uh, as viewers. Uh, it seems to be entirely out of our hands even as, uh, as athletic directors, really. Uh, had lunch today with one of our former athletic directors uh, who absolutely cannot stand the transfer portal and a name image likeness thing. And, um, but you know, it's, it's a different breed now running these athletic events. So. I'm not even in favor of the way basketball is divided up now into the, uh, you know, the Vatican, if you will, over there where the high rollers eat in front of everybody else and everybody else has a hot dog and the high rollers have steak. Uh, that all was done, I guess, to entice in more booster money. It's, it's developed, a, you know, a class system of observers. Um, I was, so I'm not really comfortable with the new basketball arena, um, but that's just me. So I'll let you take your own uh, opinion from it. It's just I'm bringing you the latest on what is going on as I hear it uh, at coaches' uh, dinners and lunches and, and things of that, uh, that nature. Of course, I suppose that, uh, well, even the people I know working for the current new football coach are concerned and frustrated because they got to get on the ball. Uh, they've got to present uh, all kinds of enticements to just you know, a kid, really, to come here and, and get wined and dined and promise things or you'll go somewhere else and give you more promises. So uh, in Coach Hogg's locker room, that's what I'm here to say is going on. Uh, the hottest conversation is the value of what you're paying for and whether it should be uh, constructed that way. Uh, certainly baseball and, and, and NFL football have salaries that make people blink their eyes. Um, I can understand it a little bit more, perhaps, maybe, in, in the football because it's more dangerous. They're more really serious injuries that one takes into adult life from football, concussions, um, bad legs, all kinds of things. Um, and I can see that. And I've talked to some of the guys who are veterans and um, they, 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 they really have that. That's a brutal sport. In board ball, I mean, you languish in the field waiting until something comes your way. It could be a bird playing or the ball. And, uh, you know, there's a few exciting plays. I love the collision at home plate. 
but I noticed in watching softball yesterday, they had the catcher standing in front of the plate. Come on, come on. Let's have the collision. Let's have the catcher standing there bashing head on, one on one. Uh, but they don't do that, evidently. They have the catcher stand in front of the plate. But that's one of the exciting plays. Of course, the pickoff at second by the catcher is a good one. Um, and uh, then, of course, I always saw Minnie Mimoso uh, catch it over his head. Willie Mays type and all those guys uh, saw Minnie play for the White Sox. Um, those guys are kind of really dazzling performers. If you get the great, speedy, strong-armed outfielder, uh, you've got really something there. Uh, Minnie Minoso, Willie Mays, of course, come to mind. So um, uh, there you there you are. Uh, that's the Coach Hog world. Uh, there'll be still an NCAA tournament, which a University of Florida Lady Gator basketball team will be invited to. And uh, I don't know how far they'll go in that. Hopefully they'll get by a round or two and make ourselves proud. Uh, locally, I got a report on a former football player, uh, Clinton Portis, uh, <clears throat> which is he's going to be uh, reporting to prison. And he reports to federal prison for six months tomorrow. Uh, and uh, he is, um, he's, I guess, really, the, the only thing you can say is he, he didn't pay his debts. I mean, he, he had a gambling fetish, evidently. He owed Las Vegas a lot of money. He was paid $45 million, uh, to be a, a running back for uh, Washington no-name team. And, you know, he, he, he was from Gainesville High, lives in a purple palace. We call it the Purple Palace out here on, on, uh, by the dragway and uh, uh, right down the road from the Honorable Rodney Long. And that Purple Palace is going to go into foreclosure. So the debtors are, are going after this lad uh, to get every uh, nickel they can get out of him, squeeze out of him uh, for his irresponsible and untrained ability to handle all this money that we just talked about. Uh, the Boreball Union guys trying to get for their unnamed players. You have to even be in the league. Uh, you know, you have to have some responsible judgment and ability to handle these sort of things. And um, um, uh, evidently, Portis doesn't have it. He's not the first one. Uh, sometimes these guys get taken by their own people who are their agents. Uh, Fred Taylor comes to mind as having lost a lot of money to an agent in a deal with Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, but here it seems that Portis was hoisted on his own petard. He, he was a gambler and he didn't pay his debts. And these things piled up for a while. They even patronized him by putting him on the sidelines. I understand it to announce that uh, Washington no-name games. But, uh, you know, that ran out, too. And the courts have got him now. And he's going to be off to the jug uh, for six months. And then he's going to have a non-jury foreclosure trial uh, set in April. And we don't know if he'll be there or not for that. But uh, they'll be coming after every nickel they can get from him. And this is a guy who had, as I say, $45 million contract with the Washington no-names. Um, the other local interesting story that you uh, might not have been paying any attention to, uh, some of you may recall a man by the name of Ed Jennings. Um, he, uh, his daddy was a, was a uh, uh, public servant here. I think it was the, uh, I believe it was the city commission. I can't, I think it was, I can't remember right now. But Ed Jennings um, is, uh, is, is owned a shopping center that's over, I believe it's on 16th. And um, a matter of fact, when I was over there one time, that's where I met Corrine Brown. Uh, so Ed Jennings owned that shopping center and uh, the library pulled out of that shopping center. That shopping center was not, he had a contract with the library to have a branch there, as I understand it. And uh, that, that branch, um, uh, you know, the building began to uh, not be taken care of properly and, and um, leak and this and that. You can't, you can't have uh, uh, books being leaked on even in uh, this library. We, and by golly, remember, the library is a uh, uh, big taxing entity of itself here. It gets to tax you. And one of the things that has irked a lot of the teachers during COVID is you couldn't get in that library. And yet they were collecting taxes and carrying on. And uh, you couldn't use it. It was about a long time. I, I know this because I know teachers who wanted to use it. Um, so uh, uh, they uh, they couldn't use it. The excuse was, well, you know, can't come in here during COVID. But they continued to collect the money. Okay? Continue to collect the money. Well, this Ed Jennings, um, he lost the Alachua County Library as a tenant. And from that point on, things went downhill. Uh, if you recall, 
he was running against uh, uh, Steve Ulrich as a state senator. And Steve Ulrich, uh, 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 in that race, it was revealed that Ed Jennings had a record. Uh, it had to do with his behavior in college. And that, that became obvious, and it was shared with the public at the last minute there um, in mysterious ways. It was acquired, and Ed Jennings de was defeated by Steve Ulrich, who went on to be the senator. Uh, Ed Jennings, um, once he lost his county, Oxford County Library as a tenant, uh, things that went downhill for him, and now the foreclosure uh, by the property base is $868,195. Uh, that he's not. The other thing about Ed Jennings is very interesting. We found uh, him to be voting, as I remember it, in two different states. He lives in, a, in Georgia uh, because Obama made him, gave him some plum job. I can't remember what it was now. Uh, HUD. Obama made him, of all things, head of HUD for this area anyway. And uh, of course, that was a political favor, as they always are. And, um, and, and, and lo and behold, uh, the investigator instigators found that perhaps he was voting in two states, documented it, sent it to the powers that be. And, uh, uh oh, I said the V word, by the way. So the algorithm sensors are probably listening. But anyway, nothing was ever done with that. So um, this is what I'm, I'm trying to help you understand is um, we find it and it exists, but nothing's done with it. So uh, that's that's the story on Jennings. Uh, that shopping center is uh, over there. Uh, near Howard Bishop. Uh, it's a uh, strip center there near Howard Bishop that was owned by Ed Jennings, who was the head of HUD. Obama made him such. Um, there are some interesting things in the Drotos Bosshart uh, deal. The, the judge has ruled uh, that the case must go forward. Uh, the uh, lawyers for Bosshart were trying to get it dismissed, uh, the, the, the slander part, and uh, as I understand it, and uh, it's going to go forward. And because it's going to go forward, there are going to be a lot of people just, uh, deposed. And uh, this is going to be very interesting because one of the case, one of the reasons, well, let me put it to this one. I'm going to ask him, I make these statements in the form of questions. Is one of the reasons uh, Boss Hart's lawyers were trying to get this case dismissed, uh, not the criminal case, but the slander case, as I understand it, not what was it? Was it because uh, 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 they just didn't want uh, certain people deposed. Ah, I, I sat in on a Zoom courtroom procedure on that, and that's what I've heard. So now the judge has took it under advisement and has ruled that, no, the case is going to go forward. And since it's going to go forward, um, we're going to find out a couple of things possibly we'll find out. Possibly we'll find out. But there's no doubt there's going to be a lot of people deposed. And... Ken Cornell, no doubt, will be finally deposed under oath. He's the vice president of Bossar, at least one of them. I understand maybe they got more than one. And he is the one who lives, has a piece of property, and he and Carly Simon side by side to each other on Lake Santa Fe. We found out and revealed to you that the other day. And Carly Simon property is contiguous as we see the property line. Uh, to Ken Cornell. Now, I'm just going to ask some questions. Uh, will we find out that that relationship at the lake has something more to it than just accidentally having a piece of property next to Ken Cornell? We found out that there were 10 closings uh, done by uh, Aaron Bossart's wife, who has, does have, as I understand, a title insurance company as a lawyer. Uh, anything illegal? No, but the, uh, the profits made from those flips uh, far out uh, was more than the profit made by Drotros Riles on the school board property, which was $147,000 as a transaction bro broker. And possibly, this is one of the interesting things, possibly nobody but Carly Simon herself, her own self, as we say in the hood, uh, will be deposed. And then when she's deposed, might we find out a little bit more about who took the case initially to Freck and Freck turned it down and how it then wound up in the hands of the state attorney, huh? Who not only took it up, but turned it into a criminal matter. Might that come out? And we're looking to see. We're interested 
and what these depositions under oath will bring. Um, um, so uh, there's, there's some possible interesting scenarios. You know, who made uh, uh, Simon uh, go after uh, Drotos and Riles? And was that related to her appointment as superintendent? And was that related to, in any way, shape, or form, Ken Cornell's interloping, intervening at the microphone on March 1st on her behalf? It seems so completely irrelevant what he thought. He has no, yes, he didn't have any children's school system. He, he, he's, what, is it, what business is it his? He's a county commissioner. He's not a, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? He's not an average citizen, by the way. He's coming down there and he used the phrase, which has always irritated me because they think, therefore, they have the moral high ground. Do the right thing. Go back and check the tape. Cornell says to the school board, lectures the school board that says do the right thing. Then, of course, we have the uh, minister, the right reverend minister at the end who comes along and calls everybody a racist. And two of the voters to get rid of Simon are Democrats. And on top of that, they remove a white superintendent and replace her with a minority. Donna Jones, a wonderful woman, I've checked her out, a wonderful person, doesn't get caught up in any of this stuff, replace her as a superintendent and still get called racist. You know, only in Alachua County. And let me tell you, just a little contrast before we take a break. I went to a festivity yesterday in Marion County. I was invited to a festivity where a lot of Marion County's uh, movers and shakers are. By golly, it was a breath of fresh air, my friends. It is 180 degrees flipped on its head politically from Alachua County. Any conversation you might have in Alachua County that the progressive left, the woke children, will chastise you for not agreeing with them about, they'll readily agree with you in Marion County about. Let me give you a couple examples. Background checks. They couldn't believe it that this town was actually going to advocate the business people, even though none of them who's going to set the policy has a business, that they don't do background checks before they hire somebody. Are you, or offer them a job. Are you serious? You cannot be serious. They almost fell out of their chairs. I said, if you want to see how communist China works, come to Alachua County. And I'm waiting to be proven wrong, by the way. I, I really wish I could be. But it was incredible. The conversations I had sitting around that table of people in Marion County were one absolutely polar opposites on the same very issues, the same issues at just county issues, when I told them that you, hey, we were sitting in a place out in the country where we could see inmates cleaning up the road. And I said, oh, wow, do you see that over there? Of course, me, the instigator, I said, you'll never see that in Alachua County. They said, what? I said, yeah, with a knee-jerk reaction, communist Karl Marx Hutch Hutchinson and two cronies, one of whom was Cornell, voted without any consultation, any, any polling, anything like that, to permanently stop inmates from doing the road work in Alachua County just because they thought it was demeaning. Huh? They never asked the inmates who might like to get out and do something besides sit and play dominoes. And, of course, you have to understand that the roads still need to get clean. So we take, yours truly found this out. I, I, I ferreted this out. We still have people cleaning the roads. But we pay them benefits, an hourly wage, their county employees. And where do we pay them from? We pay them from the gas tax. So if you're... you're hubcaps are falling off your car, riding down the roads in Alachua County, you can bet that 
The road ain't fixed because the money's been diverted from fixing the road to paying the county employees to clean up the roadsides that the inmates once did for free. I had that conversation with them and they about fell out of their chairs on that. I don't know how much stranger it can get. It is just absolutely nuts. So um, the, the, the civil suit, by the way, between Drotos and Bosshart was over $800,000 owed Riles and Drotos by Bosshart in commissions. Now, if you want to change that into intellectual property, I don't know. Nobody has seen the evidence. And nobody, I also shared with the, with the Marion County people that a real estate, and many of these people I was sitting with were in law enforcement in some capacity or another. They either were affiliated with the sheriff's office or the, or the uh, uh, Department of Corrections, just some of them there. I was, and, and, and I shared with them, my friends, that the SWAT team had gone to a commercial real estate office and zip-tied people there who did not even work for the real estate company, and they about fell out of their chairs on that one. They said, you cannot be serious. I said, yeah, and nobody will own up to who doctored the matrix to make it justifiable to swat that doc that matrix as near as we can tell as near as i've been tell i asked this i asked it as a question was the matrix doctored was it doctored there's so many things going on people stop me and say is this place as really screwed up as it appears to be i said it's much more than even you can imagine we'll be right back on the ward scott files after a brief break to thank those of you who hang with us this is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Octone, octone, the papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much now. That warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Welcome back to uh, Coach Hog here, as now Professor Ward Scott. And uh, we went through a conversation with you, if you're just tuning in, about the outlandish salaries in Borball. And uh, we talked a little bit now about some of the local things that have gone on in this community. And there is there is sanity just across the border. I have to tell you that, my friends. Um, the whole world here doesn't operate the way Lodgeman County does. If you just cross the um, county line, you'll find there's some reasonable, sensible people. Um, I bumped into the Minister of Propaganda, none other than Mark Sexton, his own self, at the dedication of the, uh, um, the, the uh, arena in Newberry uh, to, to uh, Weathervane Lee, who finally accomplished something. And the, big, the only thing he accomplished, and that was getting the fairgrounds moved 
uh, over to uh, from the east side of the county to the west side where it belonged and where all the rural life is. And, um, you know, yours truly was a big part of that. And I think, you know, I'm not going to go into that. Um, but um, the uh, uh, whole thing there that's funny is I bumped into the Minister of Propaganda, uh, Mark Sexton, and uh, briefly, all of a sudden, the single member districts came up and uh, he, met, he had a meltdown because um, when I accused him of voter suppression by not allowing the people to even vote on the situation. Oh, my God. You, you want to see a meltdown. Uh, wow. You, and I'm going to have him on the air. He, he, he says he's got nerve enough to come on the show. Um, uh, we'll see. He does not have nerve enough to enter a debate, though. I said, would you debate somebody? Um, uh, who has got an opposite point of view. And no, he did not, uh, he did not want to debate anybody. Uh, yes, Tim Martin is saying, uh, the youth fair is a fantastic event. Uh, chickens and hogs and goats and pigs and uh, a wonderful, wonderful activity. Uh, yours truly, of course, here uh, is involved with that world, having cattle and, uh, uh, you know, all the, all the above here on the farm. So, um, it's a, it's a wonderful activity. I grew up on the farms. Uh, it's always, I think the biggest mistake this United States of America will have made is by uh, demeaning its rural, its rural society. Uh, and, uh, you know, nobody seems to care anything about using the word redneck, but you can't use, you know, anything uh, like it for blacks, but you can run down the whites all day long. And I think that one of the, one of the, very big, and there are many black farmers. Uh, I know many. They're very good guys because what unites us in, in our activity is nature. Uh, the black farmer, just like the white farmer, has got to pray for the rain. The same rain rains on his pasture, rains on mine. And uh, he's got equipment that I can borrow from him, and I got equipment he can borrow from me. And uh, we have a network. So only in the rural community is uh, it foolish to be a racist because you might need that fellow one day to help you if your cow gets out, as one did just the other day. Somebody left the gate open and uh, it turned out to be a pet steer from a ranch around here and he wandered across the bridge and uh, rural deputies came and helped get him back. Uh, and so we all need each other. But when you're in the city, you don't need anybody. You're sitting behind uh, some kind of computer screen, like isolated, uh, one of the great laments going on in this country right now is that we can't get any of the young people interested in rural life. Uh, they want to sit behind a computer screen. It's going to be the biggest tragedy that's happened to this country. We are the real big breadbasket of the world, as I've said before. And so is Ukraine, which I'm going to get into in a moment. So um, um, appreciate the, uh, the uh, fact that we have... Uh, uh, and Tim Martin says he's asked Ken Cornell for a debate. They won't debate you. Uh, I'd be very surprised if they were to debate you. It's, uh, it, it, they don't want to hear another opposing point of view. And it, it'd be very, you know, you'd have to have very strict rules of debate to do it. You know, I used to judge the state debate contest. I was in debate. Uh, and debate, by the way, at Santa Fe College used to be an athletic scholarship. And I was all for that. You know, why not wrestle with your mind? You don't just have to wrestle with your body. How about wrestling with your mind? So in student activities, we actually offered a scholarship under athletics for debate. And I think that's so far apart from where we are now, where we're now taking the student away from the word athletics, as I said a moment ago, and calling it name, image, and likeness. And you need to go wherever you get the highest bidder. Uh, it, is, it is just absolutely asinine. But, you know, it's the final capitalization of America. Everything in them, everything in America is for sale. Everything is for sale. And it's going to come back to bite us. We should be fixing it so that we preserve our farms. We, uh, through estate taxes and all, we make it an encouragement for young people to keep the farm, not to divide it up into a suburban area. I got to tell you that when I traveled yesterday and, uh, you know, south of, of Marion, well, actually, Going into Marion County and certainly south into the other counties, you have met Florida's nightmare. Everywhere you see construction, nothing is coming to arrest. 
everything is going to be packed with people. It's one of the great mistakes we've made. There's no way to stop it. Uh, it's going to keep coming until, and I am, I'm not a radical con conservationist, but I am all for taking care of nature, but I'm not a climate change guy, as you, as you can imagine. Uh, you know, you have to really be careful with the science and all this, but I am for a tax structure that encourages people to remain on the land and take care of the land. But that's not what's happening. That is not the way it's working. So, um, but you get south of Marion County and you're in chaos around Leesburg and on down. It is absolutely uh, unfamiliar territory to me. One of the things I'm very proud of having been, had the opportunity that the Lord gave me was the opportunity to see Florida before there was an interstate and before there was a Sunshine Parkway. Um, it was a vastly different world. And before there was air conditioning, really, practically. So, uh, man, was it, it, was, it was wonderful. You could live very inexpensively off the land, fish and hunt and grow your oranges and your crops right here on the land and live practically money free. Uh, that's not the case now. So you got to go to the minute market to get your bread. You got this net. I don't need to get into that too much. I want to get into a little bit of all I got some time because people have been asking me to do some research on it. Uh, I want to I talk to you about something I ran across and I titled today's show The Ordinary Man. Because I've been interested in this uh, battle going on, uh, as you know, in Ukraine for a number of reasons. One is that... Uh, uh, what Putin has in common with our progressive left. The progressive left here, uh, led by this woman who wrote 1619, uh, wants to rewrite history. Uh, they are tremendously misreading history for their own political purposes. Putin is doing exactly the same thing. So if you want to see a, a blueprint for how the progressive left of the Democrat Party would like to behave, take a look at Putin. The progressive left of the Democrat Party wants to call January 6th an insurrection. Uh, they want to stifle debate. They want to control the narrative. They want to rewrite history. They want to take down the statues. They have all these things, rename the streets, stop the speakers on the campuses, hire only those who believe in critical race theory and all this gobbledygook to the faculties of the universities. If you want to see the logical consequence of the progressive left's behavior, all you have to do is look at Putin. Putin is deliberately misreading history. Well, what do you mean? The Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia share roots stretching all the way back to the first Slavic state. This is by Michael Schwartz, who, uh, 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 who is a, a scholar on, on this area of history. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the first Slavic state was Kivan Rus. It was a medieval empire founded by the Vikings in the ninth century. And it's a complicated history Ukraine has. It's a thousand year history of changing religions, borders and peoples. Um, the capital was established hundreds of years before Moscow, and both Russians and Ukrainians claim it as a birthplace of their modern cultures, religion, and language. It was situated along trade routes that developed in the 9th and 10th century, and it flourished uh, only after trade began to shift elsewhere. Uh, it has a diverse geography. It has farmlands and forests and some access by maritime to the Black Sea. It's a... Uh, the, the history and culture of Russia and Ukraine are intertwined. They share the same Orthodox Christian religion, the same languages, customs, and national food. Uh, but Putin has argued that Ukraine has been taken over by Nazis. And what he's complaining about is Gorbachev allowed Ukraine to be free and independent. And so Gorbachev uh, is, the, is the blame and what happened is that uh, uh, according to Putin's misreading of history, not unlike uh, this woman's misreading in 1619 of European influence here, uh, Moscow uh, 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 is the one that voted uh, 
to grant Ukraine independence, but it wasn't Moscow. Ukraine people voted themselves to leave the Soviet Union in a democratic referendum. Now, this is such an exciting situation. We have the same situation going on with Springs County right here. A vote is going to be, I'm pretty sure that's going to come to a vote. Uh, There's 10,000 petitions now have been signed. They're probably going to come to a vote. And you're going to see the Ken Cornells of the world go bananas. Absolutely violently, I would suspect, if if the progressive left is similar in any way to to Putin. Uh, They already are exercising that way on single-member districts. They don't even know if single-member districts will pass. They don't even want people to be allowed to vote on single-member districts. Putin doesn't even want Ukraine to be allowed to vote on leaving Russia and has begun to create a propaganda that has been pounding away with contempt for Ukrainians. Now, he has consequently concocted a cynical mythology to justify whatever actions he plans. We have the very same thing going on right here, a cynical mythology, toxic mythology going on about single member districts. You think I jest. It's a, a human nature is human nature. Human being behavior is human being behavior. It doesn't matter if it's a border of Ukraine or the border of Alachua County. People shake out along these things and you have to be able to evaluate it and judge it for yourself. But the people here are so woefully in, un, uneducated about, I was getting petitions signed the other day for a candidate who wanted to be a judge. And I took them to people who vote. And I said, you know, would you sign this petition? They didn't know what the heck I was giving them. They said, what are these things? What am I signing? I said, you don't understand how a candidate gets on a, uh, you know, gets on the ballot. So you can imagine if voting people in a democracy don't understand how candidates get on a ballot by petition instead of paying a fee, they dang sure are not going to understand about single member districts. And you can just, I guess, give this credit to human nature. You've got the same thing going on with Putin. Since the world doesn't know what's going on, if he hadn't been so brazen about it, he might could have pulled it off. But no, he has to be abrupt and violent about it. And now he's got himself some problems. So in spite of concocting, concocting this mythology, uh, and he published a 5,300 word essay last summer that, that it, um, uh, blamed the West for corrupting Ukraine. Um, and by the way, Ukraine was, was, was betrayed in Budapest. I've got an article here on that when we talked them out of taking down their uh, nuclear weapons because they weren't members of NATO. So they don't have nuclear weapons. We took them away. And so this, this whole historical inaccuracy is dangerous. It's dangerous here in this country, and it's certainly dangerous in Europe. But we don't teach any history. We don't even teach people how to put people on the ballot. And that doggone minister of propaganda, Mark Sexton, told me to my face, all people got to do is get a petition up and get it on the ballot. Yeah, try doing it, my man. Try doing it. Try the expense of doing it. So um, this whole business of, 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 of uh, motivation has a problem. And I'm going to tell you what the problem is. And it's the title of today's show. And I think it's very interesting. It's called The Ordinary Man. Since these two countries, Russia, Ukraine, have intertwining histories, uh, the uh, moral justification uh, by Putin for dominating uh, Ukraine is not going over well with average people. Now, we're going to find that out in the single member districts vote. The moral justification of the Cornells and the Sextons and these people is that they are they know what's right. The moral justification of Cornell when he went to the school board office was he knew what was right. He lectured the entire school board. Imagine that. He lectured them on what was morally right. He lectured them. Now, so 
the moral justification, Putin lectures the world, I'm morally right by going in and taking over Ukraine because Western governments have turned Ukraine government into a Nazified government. That's what he's using. But on the streets, the confusion and ambivalence, and this is according to Victor Smolkin, who is a professor of history, and he has an interesting book he's written called A Shared Space is Never Empty, A History of Soviet Atheism. And that, that is a pretty darn interesting title. A shared space, a sacred space, I'm sorry. A sacred space is never empty. A history of Soviet atheism. Something will fill the sacred need. Now with the progressive left, it's not God. It's atheism. That's what they share with Russia. If you're looking for the connection between communist Russia and the progressive left, it is the fact that they have filled the sacred place with atheism. The state is the be all end all. You're hearing it here from Professor Warthog. You'll hear this nowhere else in America. I trust you. I trust you will not hear it anywhere else in America. We're having class today, students. The shared space, the sacred space, the sacred space is never em empty. It's filled with atheism in communist Russia and it's filled with atheism in the progressive left of the United States. And the saddest thing about the black culture is when it abandoned Christianity under Martin Luther King and went to the atheism of the Black Lives Matter group they lost their spiritual moral, they lost their moral authority. The problem I have with the black culture, it has no moral authority because it lost its spirituality. It is now part of the atheist moral deprivation of the woke left, okay? You heard it here. I take responsibility for this. This is my opinion. If you want to call me a racist, that's your problem. OK, that's your problem. All you have to do is read about Dilsey in A Sound and a Fury by William Faulkner and see who raised the children. OK, and gave them their moral manners. You see, go read Sound and a Fury. If you can, if it's not been taken off the library shelves. So now how does this work? How is this working on this war? Why is this war taking so long? Uh, Smolkin says it's because. There is confusion and ambivalence among Russian soldiers when they encounter Ukrainian civilians. Uh, they have all of a sudden such strange things as there was a Russian convoy uh, of that ran out of gas. Uh, and an old farmer, a Ukrainian farmer came along and offered to tow the Russian tank uh, or, or, or piece of equipment back to Russia and both the Russian military people, vehicle people and the Russian and, and the Ukraine uh, uh, farmer both laughed. They, they share the same jokes. You know, jokes are really, really, they're a big litmus test. There is, there's no, you know this, there's no sense of humor to the progressive left. That tells you how far they are away from regular people. When people share the same sense of humor, when people share the same jokes, they are related morally, culturally. But when they don't share the same jokes, they are not related at all. And you take a look at what's happened to humor with the progressive left. They've killed it. They've killed it. To them, it's awful to see reruns of Amos and Andy, one of the funniest shows that you'll ever see. So what happens here is became a point of inquiry by this writer. How do ordinary people commit great violence? And what they found out in this research is that ordinary people can take part in extraordinary evil. And the only way they can really do it, and they ran something called the Milligram Experiments. It was conducted by a psychologist named Stanley Milligram in the early 1960s. And he wanted to understand obedience to authority. 
Okay. Under what conditions would people follow orders, even when the orders were counter to their moral sense? Um, the experiment was a test of uh, how much pain one human being was willing to inflict on another under orders. Um, and what they found was that almost two thirds of the subjects were willing to obey orders and inflict pain on an innocent human being. Um, these were ordinary people. They were the people who were what had to look to a to an authority to okay what they did. If you take a look at the progressive left, they are stamping out anybody or trying to who disagrees with the people from whom they take their orders. Um, that is an indicator also for you to keep in your diary. Um, there's a difference between being morally justified and morally necessary, and that's what is hanging up the battle in Ukraine. And the whole world sees it. There's no moral justification. There's even not any moral necessity to go displace children and mothers from their homes. Those children and mothers did nothing, particularly when you share a common his history, unless that history gets badly rewritten and badly reinvented, you take down your statues, you besmirch the, uh, you know, the past and tailor it to what you need, then you have problems. And that's what we have with the woke left here in this country. I am offering you to think about in this class today. Um, so it is, it is very interesting the, 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 what is, what, the speculation about what has slowed down the Russian advance. The slow down the Russian advance is that the Russian soldier is an ordinary, not necessarily as he bought into this. And to, to, to stop this, you see going on in Russia what the left is trying to do here. Any dissent in Russia is being locked up. That's what the left is trying to do here and has been doing for quite some time. Any dissent is locked up. So my point today, I'm drawing a, a comparisons between Putin's behavior and the behavior of the United States of America, Democrat Party, moral, progressive left, not necessarily the center Democrats, but the AOCs and the radical and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, the Black Lives Matter because they lost their spirituality. They are atheists. They don't they don't have the spiritual humility that comes about from being God-fearing. They are uh, taking, they have the moral high ground. So that is always dangerous. So uh, the Russian military morale, because of its cultural proximity to Ukraine, uh, is being watched very carefully uh, since they understand each other so well. They're not necessarily into what Putin has done. And so the question remains, how far will an ordinary person go to follow orders simply because they're given by a superior authority? Isn't it healthy to question the authority? Wouldn't you think? Wouldn't, and, and come out of it thinking for yourself. Um, the, the litmus test, according to the people watching this war, if Putin's thesis were true and the Russians were coming to liberate Ukraine from corrupt, Nazified leaders, the villagers would be greeting the Russian army with flowers, right? That ain't what they're greeting them with. That's not what they're greeting with. So there you are. That's my little interpretation of, of how you compare what's going on in this country to what's going on in Ukraine, and uh, you draw your own evaluation of it and decide whether you uh, uh, see some sense to it or uh, you can check it out yourself and uh, come to your own conclusions. But I see very few dissimilarities between uh, Putin and his reinterpretation of history and uh, the progressive left's reinterpretation of history. Uh, have a great day. Uh, Warthog Command Center, out.